0: One of, the, um, one of the things that I love about the, um, the prophetic is it gives us a, a glimpse of what God's got for us in order that we might walk into it. But um, one of the things that's really important, and, and this is for everybody to remember, is that when we receive a gift like that from God, it's, I teach it as a gift that God gives us to express his love. Um, But when we receive it, we've got to be a faithful steward of it. And um, last week I was uh, leading a discipleship meeting at the church I was in, and um, I I shared with them that the reason that I was there was because um, God is teaching me to be a faithful steward of those promises he's made, that I should not be lazy or inactive, but be a good steward and take care of and be faithful with what he's given as a gift. So personal prophetic words are the same thing. They're a gift. Imagine that they're a a precious jewel inside a box that has immense value. I read that somewhere. The kingdom of God. It's like a precious jewel and that we should take care of it. So I want you to remember that when you have these promises, either for your personal circumstances, for your family, or as part of our church family, that we must be faithful with that. And we've got to be a steward of those things to partner with God in what he's doing. Now, there's a tension in that for someone like me who tries to be God sometimes and make it happen. And I can tell you that doesn't work out very well. There's a loud laugh from the back. Someone that knows me well. But we've still got to be faithful with it. And so the reason I went to South Africa this past two weeks is in being obedience. And being a faithful steward and holding on to the promises that God has given us as a church. And I want to start with that, and then I want to tell you what happened and why I went and a few other things. But I want to read to you a prophetic word that came over this church before I arrived here. And and how I discovered it is when I came here, um, I felt God lead me to uh, unpack and look at the things that had happened in the church from the day of its beginning. Um, Brian Tamaki came here from Tokoroa, planted this church uh, in town, and, and did that in obedience to God. And so I looked at his story and how he got here. And then I uh, found some of the documentation that Roger Peake had prepared as an elder of this church from day one. Alison's not here today. But her husband, late husband, Roger, was one of the founding elders of this church and a faithful man to stand beside his leader and record the minutes of the meetings and document the life of the church and what was happening. And because of the previous administrators of this church and the leaders, I had access to those. So I read them and I discover what happened in this journey. And then I ask, what did God say? And so again, because of the faithful leadership previous to me, I had access to the prophetic words that God had spoken over this church. So I sit down with them and I put them in front of me and I say, God, with this highlighter, would you show me what is for me in my season? Because not all promises are for the season, right? And I don't want to be focused on the wrong thing. So I say to God, this highlighter... I want you to use it. And as I read these prophetic words, as I believe that God is not finished with his church yet, I want you to show me what is for my season here, that I would be a faithful steward of your promises. And I work my way through them, documents, and one of the things I highlighted, I'm going to read to you. This is an apostolic training center. People are going to come here and be one to Christ. They will catch a vision of their lives that will become unstoppable. You will be raising up people and sending them out. I believe God wants to create a Bible college here, a place where people are trained and equipped here in Tiwamudu. And as I read that, and as I asked God to lead me, I felt him say. Is this is one for you. So, for the last couple of years, I've been searching the heart of God to understand what that might look like. And uh, in my journeys and connecting with various people, one of the um, families that were part of this church that uh, have now uh, moved to Nelson uh, for work, um, Corey and Vicky Jacobs, some of you will know them very, very well. Um, Vicky's sister happened to be staying here. And in my connection with her, we discovered that there was a bit of a kindred alignment with this prophetic word and discipleship of people. And uh, so we became connected uh, with uh, praying into what God would do. This girl's name's Heidi. She went back to South Africa, where she's begun to study in a Bible college there in Pretoria at a church called Living Word. And as she talked to her church leaders about us and what we were journeying, their leaders said to her, well, we're a church that sows seed internationally. And if what we carry is a seed to bring life to a church in New Zealand, then we want to partner with that. I was like, "Hmm, that sounds good because they've done a lot of hard work to get where they are now. And so as elders, we gathered and we discussed and prayed and asked God, um, is, this something, is this a door for us to walk through? We really felt and say yes. So two weeks ago, some of you might have seen on Facebook, um, I announced that I was uh, heading off to Pretoria to hang out with this church for a couple of weeks, and uh, that's what I want to talk about today, because there is more. May that be the phrase that you take home today. Say it with me. There is more. There is more. God's got more for every single one of us, and we've got to step into that and partner with him in order that we would see his uh, provision and promise come into our lives. So we've been working on and are working on the development of what I'm calling an apostolic ministry school. We're an apostolic church. What that means is that we believe in the Bible and the life that with an the early church experienced, and we want to experience the same thing. And the mantle of church leaders like myself is to raise up and disciple people to equip them in order that they would do the work of their ministry out there in the world. And so an apostolic ministry school is forming in order that we would raise up and disciple people filled with the Holy Spirit that they would go and do what God's asked them to do. And that's the essence of the school of the Spirit that we teach here. That's the essence of the ministry school that we're forming as we look to see what God is um, doing. Ashley's helping me. She's leading that. She's project managing it in the time that she's got in between there and Te Primary School. But uh, you know what it's about? It's about seeing the golden people and calling it out. It's about building bigger people. I've said to you told me so many times, I don't want a big church. I want a church filled with big people. And what I mean by that is those that are filled with the passion and the vision of God for their lives and then equipped and mobilized to go and live it out. That's what a ministry school is all about. It's about leading our people into their God-given purpose and making sure they've got the ability to carry it. So let me just talk a little bit briefly about the trip. Um, Some of you might have seen some stuff I posted on Facebook. Just a little explanation for those new to our circle here. We have two Facebook um, ways that you can join us. The first one is the public page, which you can just like and you get the same stuff that the public gets. But if you're part of our family, then you might want to join the closed Facebook group, which is where we post things that are more related to family. And uh, you're welcome to join that group if you're part of our family. And so in there, I posted some of the more specific details around why I was going. Um, so you're welcome to connect there, that what you want. So I went over to uh, Pretoria and uh, based myself there and got to meet with the leaders of the church. Heidi had arranged meetings for me. She sent me a photo uh, uh, on, when I was on my way there. said, here's your calendar for the week. And I'm like, oh, well, there'll be no holiday for me. Um, but what was amazing was to see that God had gone before and had made these um, appointments, these doors open up in uh, amazing ways. So I go and I sit with the senior pastor and the founder of the church. His name is Neville Norden. He had a radical encounter with God in his 30s, uh, where God took him, Jesus took him to the, the lap of the father, and he experienced the father's love in a real and tangible way. And this is a man who just loves everybody he can. He's welcoming, he's inviting, he's encouraging, and he hugs a lot. He started the church when he was 40. He's now close to 70. There's 45 churches across South Africa, planting into London and sowing seed globally. So I sit with him, and I don't go with an agenda except to see if God would connect us. The elders said to me, you, you know, we've got to go and understand whether there's an alignment of spirit. Are we kindred? Are we aligned? And is there a mutual connection here? And you can't do that via Skype. You can't do it on the phone. You actually have to stand on the same ground, share the same breath. The, the, the concept of a hongi when you get in someone's face is that you share their breath. And you share the same spirit. Now, I didn't hongy them because they would probably stab me and chop my legs off and eat me. But um, these South Africans, you've got to be careful. I'll tell you, there's some stories. I had to be careful when I was there. I'm back in one piece too. I don't know what day it is, but I'm back in one piece. So, um, So I sit with this man briefly. He's really busy and I get half an hour with him and and just, just to connect, just to build a relationship. And uh, I was privileged enough for him to pray a blessing over me, Father's blessing. And, uh, and then I carried on my day. But um, the favor of God was incredible as far as meeting the right people, spending time with them, and then giving themselves to me essentially to say, what can we do to serve what you're doing? It was incredible. Um, like even the... The friends that I was hanging out with were, who are were not necessarily uh, pastors, leaders in the church, they were looking at me going, how the heck are you getting all this stuff happening in a week? Because God just opened doors for me, that's why. Uh, so I got to also meet with uh, his son, Marcus, who's what they call an executive pastor who runs the operations of this um, massive campus in the church that they have. They have a 3,000-seat auditorium. Uh, they have a 9 o'clock uh, Afrikaans service which is packed and then uh, I didn't go to that one because I not have a clue what's happening uh, so I went to a different church at nine and then we raced back for the 1115 service which was English and you might have seen on Facebook that um, Neville comes up to me and he just says to me hey I don't know I need to put you on the spot but would you bring a greeting and blessing for our church? Can I invite you to come and share for the church? And I'm like okay God is good He just invites us into that place of influence, and the leaders um, were just so encouraged and blessed by the fact that we would go all that way to be with them, and said to me as I left, "You you came to receive, but you've given us so much while you're here, and I believe that's because I went with the blessing of the church. So I went to discover if there was a synergy of spirit. I also went specifically to learn more about their Bible college that they have. They have a Bible college there Living Word. It's a currently two-year program with a third year being developed. And I brought some stuff home to show my team, but their Bible year, the first year, oh, my goodness, it's intense. Um, they have um, five days a week. They start chapel at 8, lectures start at 9. They work through to 1.30, and then they've got assignments to do. And they read the Bible. They work through the Bible five times in that first year because if you're going to be a ministry, you sure as better be grounded in the Word of God. so it was good. Sat in their class and met the lecturers and started to understand the, the, the way that they have structured. I met with the principal, his name is John, and I talked with him about his ethos for discipleship and and how they've structured and prepared the, the, the curriculum and the course in order that people would be able to be fully equipped for what God's called them to do. Some, of course, will be church leaders, but many won't. Many will be active in the uh, um, outreach in, the, in the, what they call townships or the slums or the, the, um, the rural areas of South Africa where they go and minister. They also have a school of prophecy which Heidi had previously taken across to Florida uh, which was how we can know that they've got the heart to sow seed globally. And so um, Emma is one of the head of the school of prophecy and um, got invited around to their house, her and her family, hosted me for Bry which was awesome, um, except for the rain and the thunder. So I'm like, you better hurry up and cook that steak because it's about to fall with rain. But, and we just spent time getting to know each other and talking about our journeys and how we got there. And, and again, just a, just a connection that is hard for me to describe in words, but there was a, just a, an embrace, if I could say it that way, that they welcome us and connect with us, us being North End Church. I sat with Chuck, who is American, and he's one of the pastors there. He's, uh, he said, uh, when he was 18 or 20, somewhere around that age group, God said to him, he was living in um, oh, Kansas, and God said to him, you're going to marry a South African. I said, well, I bet there weren't many South Africans in Kansas. He says, no, no that's, why I came to, that's why I came to South Africa. So that was a long time ago. He's now, well, get a promise from God, you better go with the promises, <laughs> otherwise you might miss it. Um, so anyway, uh, so I met with him. And um, he's the prophet of the house, and um, those of you that have been to Living Word Church will uh, have experienced his ministry. Um, Vicki Jacobs emailed me one of the prophecies she received when she was at that church just this past January, Uh, and it's a significant thing for us to partner with them in. I met with Chuck, and we chatted, and this guy is fluent in Hebrew, fluent in Aramaic, got a doctorate in, uh, in, in the Greek of the New Testament. And um, it's just a fascinating time, but at the end of it, some of you will understand what I mean when I say you just get that stirring of the Spirit inside you. And I said to him, oh, excuse me, I said, I don't mean to step over any line here, but I'm about to get all prophetic on you. He goes, oh, that's good. And God just started to minister to him through me. And I'm like, oh, I've got to be careful, you know. And guy started to unlock these things that are inside him that he's been carrying, that in a place where he's not the senior leader, he feels a little bit shrouded and closed off because he's also not Afrikaans. So, culturally, those of you that are connected with that culture will know that it's not easy to break into it. And I was just so blessed to walk out of that meeting uh, with an invitation to see him again. He says, I've got to talk to you some more. I've got to understand what God is saying to me. Can we meet? Can I take you out? Can we have breakfast together? And that would have been really good, except he took me to Wimpy. Oh, my goodness, that's disgusting. Coffee's bad. Oh, so good to get home to my my coffee at home. But your prayers helped. You know, I survived. It's okay. It's okay, you know. You can, you can keep praying for me, but... Ooh-wee. Yeah, man. So just, again, a connection with these leaders, and I got to... Um, uh, got to, invited to lead the discipleship evening on Thursday night. They have all their leaders gathered before the school of healing and the school of prophecy, and all the leaders gather so they can minister to them. And Emma said to me, well, you're here. Why don't you do it? I was like, oh, okay. And just for an hour was able to minister to the ones who were there to lead the school of healing and to pray for um, you know, the, the prophetic atmosphere that they have in their church. It was such a blessing just to share the love that you guys gave me to take and give it to them. It's awesome. The next day, you had a whole bunch of young students just want to hang out. Friday afternoon, and the Bible college students finish at 1.30, and they're like, man, if we can, can we just hang out? So we just grab a quiet space in one of their cafes and sit around table, and just for two hours, just minister, not with teaching and preaching, but just by loving on them talking about our journey as a family and what we're going through and what God would say to them and they're young and they're hungry and they just soak it up. So they're eager for more of what God's got for them and you know, being in that environment is just so encouraging, so rewarding. There's, there's a lot of stories I could tell. Um, um, you might have seen on my Instagram, I got locked in the toilet on the last morning Um, That was a bit awkward, but I was like, you guys are trying to keep me here, what's going on? And I'm like, the key is broken off. I'm like, I'm definitely not getting out of here. That was really awkward. I'm like, someone put my phone under the door? Because I'm going to be here a while. Uh, But I obviously got released, so that was good. Um, But just driving around Pretoria is interesting. It's a beautiful place. Got to do a bit of tourism, that was cool. Got to go and pack some lion cubs, that was awesome. Um, But but the people there, I just want to... Um, just share this. The people there were so welcoming and so loving on me, on me personally, but because they want to connect with us as a church. And it was really encouraging. i okay, just um, finished with this story about um, the, the trip. Um, I was thinking on the way back, I had a bit of time to sit around and think on my trip home over a couple of days, and I said, well, what is my biggest personal takeaway in all of this? I've got notes, I've got stuff to share, I've got booklets of information, but what is, me, what is it for me? What is my gift that God has given me as I've gone to the other side of the world to spend time with these people? And I really felt God say to me that he had enlarged my capacity to love others. That there is something that is growing inside of me that is going to be bigger than we could imagine. That we would share his love. And I guess that starts with me. So that probably means more tissues. That's why I put tissues here in case I need them because that's how it kind of flows. But that's good for the church. That's good for us, eh? That we would build an environment of love, that we would love on each other with the love he's given us, as Lisa just shared with us, that we would demonstrate that love to others, that they would come in and feel welcome and safe, and that they would be able to unpack what's going on in their lives because it is safe in love, and that they would find healing in love, and that they would find strength and purpose in love, and they would go out in love so that others can see that love. Isn't it about love? So I came home and I just thought, man, I've been blessed. God has given me and is growing in me an increased capacity to love. So we're going to keep unpacking uh, that trip uh, as elders will gather, not this week, but the next. And so part of it will be just processing and praying through what's happening. If you have questions about this, come and find me. Make an appointment with me. Not this week because I don't want to talk to anyone, but um, make an appointment with me. And come and hang out, and if this God is steering something in you, then we need to discover why. Some of you will have something going on right now that is just making you twitch in your seat because you're so excited. Well, great, let's find out what God's doing, and let's see where you might walk with us in that, okay? Um, and we'll keep you up to date. I apologize if the communication hasn't been great around this, but literally um, had some pretty big challenges the week before I went. Uh, including (laughs) not getting my visa till the Tuesday, booking my tickets on the Thursday, and flying on the Monday. So it was a little bit rushed. Um, But um, I had this space in my calendar, and if I don't go now, it's going to be really tough to do it. So um, that's why I went. Let me share something with you, because today I want to say there is more. Say that with me. There is more. There's more for you. There's more for us as a church. And there's more as we journey. I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ And seated us with him, Christ, in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. God will point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it, none of us can boast about it. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. We are God's masterpiece. He created us brand new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Church, there is more. Say it again. There is more. Got to believe this. We've got to believe this. I just want to look at... um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. But I wanted to give you the context of the scripture. That's why I read from verse 4, there's some good things God's prepared for us that we would walk in them. And I want to talk about that very briefly. I just want to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, but I want to unpack it from the amplified. And there are five things that I want us to see in this verse before we move on this morning. Oh, and we better move quickly. Verse 10 says this: For we are his workmanship, his own master work, our work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Five quick thoughts. From this, number one, we're his workmanship. You, look at your neighbor, they are his workmanship and so are you. You are, it says in this version, his master work. You're a masterpiece, you're a work of art. You've got to stop putting yourself down and looking at the natural and assessing yourself by your weakness. You've rather got to look at the promise and declare what God said over you and start seeing yourself as God sees you. For until you have your self identity sorted, you ain't going anywhere. God uses broken people, but He doesn't want you to um, think that you have to be um, strong enough or perfect, but He wants to say, I am what makes you perfect. See yourself as I see you. You are God's masterpiece. None of us are finished, we're still working on it. But the truth is, we've got to have a deep seated revelation of our identity in Him. You're a masterpiece. You're a work of art. And if you put down the work of art, you put down the artist. And there's nothing wrong with him. So because he is good, you are now good. Because he is perfect, you're a masterpiece. Second thing, you're created in Christ Jesus, which means you are reborn from above. I recently shared a couple of messages about our born-again DNA. And that what we would understand that when we receive this new birth because of Jesus Christ, what does that mean for us from the inside out? We're spiritually transformed. There's something that happens when we declare our willingness to trust Jesus Christ with our lives. Something happens inside of us that I can't explain in in words, but I can tell you I've experienced the new life that comes when I say, Jesus, I trust you. I give my life to you. You are Lord means what you says is yes, not what I say. It's a spiritual transaction that goes on, and you are made new in him. You are spiritually transformed, which means those things that you couldn't see or understand before, you now have the ability to understand. We unpack John chapter 3 and the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. And if you weren't here or you can't remember it, then you go back and find it on our podcast. You're renewed. You're made new. You know what I believe that means? And as I look into it, I believe what God is saying is I'm bringing you back to what you were before you stuffed it up. Because, you know, we're human nature and we get into the cycle of life and we we tread on ourselves or we abuse ourselves or we make the wrong decisions and choices or we get with the wrong crowd and all of a sudden we're far from where God designed us to be. God says, I will renew that and restore that and bring it back to the place of design, the beginning point. God always redeems things back to his design. We're renewed, stepping into that place. Thirdly, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we're ready to be used for good works. What does that mean? We are ready. What does that mean? Stop standing still and start moving. You've got to know which direction you've got to move in and start moving in it. We don't want to get out of step with God. We don't want to run ahead of him, and this is me talking to myself now, but we've still got to make sure we're moving. That's why I want you to understand there is more. That's why I want you to hear that we're actually working on things for the future. God's given me a vision of what it could be, and I'm wanting us to move towards it. I had half a day with Marcus, the executive pastor of Living Word Church, and uh, dude can talk. But uh, it, was, it was good, really encouraging. And then he said, well, look, come, come. I'll give you a tour of what we've got here. And so we, we went on a tour of the campus. As I said, they've got a large auditorium, three, three and a half thousand seats, cameras everywhere, flashing lights and bells and smoke machines. Um, but um, go behind the scenes and they've got a, um, um, a recording studio for their team because they believe that there's a sound coming from heaven that they are to release across South Africa. So they've invested in that. There's a, a video room where they're preparing video messages. There's a band room. they band. They have like big, big music ministry. So they have a band room, which is just like this lounge room with a fridge and a coffee machine and some stuff where they can disciple each other and minister to each other before they minister to the church. And we go across and there's a chapel. These guys have a funeral service that they do for the community. And Neville hosted a funeral on Friday, and when I saw him on Sunday at church, he said, oh, there were 16 salvations in the funeral on Friday. Oh, well, I thought that was exciting, but (laughs) me and him were excited anyway. Why? Because you can't preach to the guy in the box, but you sure as heck can preach to the one sitting there. So they've got this chapel, and it's beautiful, a kid's auditorium, because they have hundreds of kids through there on a weekend, and and we go and we walk around the back and we go down. And, of course, they've got another building for the Bible school because that's where I was um, doing the classes. I was sitting in on the classes and the lectures. And then upstairs from that, they've got this, um, the youth auditorium room, which on, on Friday nights and Saturdays is for the youth to use. But during the week, they run a gap year program for kids in the community that couldn't finish school. And they minister to them five days a week to help them find out who they are, who were they created to be, and where should they walk in life. I'm like, hmm, that's a good idea. And it wasn't until my tour was about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way finished, we got to the prayer garden and walked through the gates and there's these beautiful trees and the seats and everything like this. And I'm like, and God said to me, this is a picture of your future. A sprawling campus, a school, outreach, business, and in the middle of it, a prayer garden with a 24-7 prayer room where people can come and be blessed by the presence of God. It's a picture of our future. And I'll tell you what, I'm holding on to that. We are ready to be used for good works. There is more. Four, which God prepared for us beforehand taking paths which he set. You've got to understand that God has ordained this season for our church, and it's up to us to walk in it. I don't make this stuff up. I know I'm creative, but I am not that good to make up what God has promised this church. He has ordained it and declared it. We've taken hold of it in faith, and with his strength, we're going to walk in it and see him bring the promises to us. It's something he's prepared for us. God is far bigger than what you can see or believe right now. But we've got to hold on to that and believe him. Finally, number five, so that we would walk in those paths, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. There's a story told about a missionary who was in a very dangerous place in the Middle East with guns and bombs and stuff like that's not a place I'd like to be called to but um, he was with a friend who visited him and his friend said well, why do you give yourself to this why do you put yourself in danger and why don't you just like check out man you're old enough now you've done done a good work why don't you go and sit on a beach in Hawaii and he simply said well the safest place for me to be is in the will of God. safest place for us to be is walking in the will of God, being obedience to him, walking in those things he's prearranged so that we can live the good life which he prearranged. There's nowhere I'd rather be. There's nothing I'd rather be doing except walking in the promises.